0: fit toys. Yeah, so it's the island of mirrors. Welcome to the Nightmare Box. <laughs> Presenting mistakes from me. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the exhausted after a very, very weird week.
1: It has been a weird week.
0: Kristen Pennington.
1: I'd like to go right on ahead and skip the rest of this year, I think.
0: <laughs> and like most of the last year. Just <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, blink from college graduation, wake up in Montana, and everything's cool next year, you know?
1: Well, I'm okay with the stuff that's already (laughs) done and gone, because it's done and gone, and I'm not dealing with it anymore, and it's a part of the growth process, or so they say.
0: The yin and yang, the crust and
1: trough, the black (laughs) and white. (sighs) Ah. How's your week been, Brett? Not good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Went into work yesterday and uh, thought I was having a great day. Thought I definitely nailed my job of, you know, cleaning shit up. And turns out I am underqualified to (laughs) do such a thing. Despite being an Air Force veteran and college
0: graduate, I, you know, can't hold down a manual labor job. Didn't get fired. Got replaced at the end of my temp So I can, you know, my record is still flawless. (laughs) Despite my personality, somehow nobody has ever fired me from anything.
1: I have been fired once, but my boss was, like, a super, super sexist asshole. Yeah. And uh, he fired me because I got tired of being treated like shit, and so...
0: You snap at him?
1: Ish. I didn't, like, really go off on him. Um, I was working for, um a sports bar type yeah. place. And um they treated you like shit anyway, like mm-hmm. the owner of the place. Like I flaunted. like hanging
0: out in sports bars, but I don't like the way the drunken clientele te- treat the women in the sports bar. Oh well, yeah,
1: that too. Yeah. The the clientele sucked, but then like the owner flaunted constantly how insanely wealthy she was and then everybody else just got and I got treated like shit. Like we didn't even get to take breaks or anything like yeah. that. And then Um, one of the, like, main managers was just this super sexist asshole who thought he was, like, the shit. Mm -hmm. And, um, he made me, I think the day that I got fired, made me, on my hands and knees, with just, like, a scrubby pad, scrub the floor in the kitchen. And, uh, that was back when I was still modeling. And, uh, he was just like, yeah, you're gonna look back on this one day, you're just a regular Cinderella story, aren't you, like, making fun of me? Cause, like, he knew, yeah, he knew I modeled and stuff, and, um, yeah i was just like you can't treat people like this it was just like i was over it i was like it's not even my job to clean the kitchen floor i was like that's the kitchen staff's job to mop it with a mop you know not on their hands and knees Mm -hmm. scrubbing the floor and uh yeah he dragged me back into his office and like belittled me and then let me go so that's that's the one and only time i've ever been fired from a job and i was furious i slammed the door on my way out
0: No, I've, i've managed not to get fired i worked in a grocery store um before I got in the service, and it was not in a good place, part of town. It was roughly
2: three doors down from the pawn shop that I was worked in. (laughs) So it was filled with, like, the same groups of just meth addicts and, you know, homeless people who try to beat you up over a loaf of bread. And um, my boss was an
0: ex-Navy guy. His name was Jerry. And he, like,
2: encouraged us to chase down shoplifters. Which is
1: not a good idea.
2: No, we were like 17-year-old fucking... Solid
1: way to get shot.
2: ...reckless fucking kids. And uh, like he'd go, out the back door! And like we'd all fucking flood out the back door. Next thing you know, we're chasing some crack addict, like some 45-year-old guy with a gun. We're just chasing him down. Uh, the funniest one of those stories, because I don't have a I-got-fired story, is we <laughs> chased...
0: pretty bad. We chased this dude because uh, he went into the bathroom with like two or three ribeye steaks or whatever it was. And came out of the bathroom with zero ribeye stakes and then ran out the front door. So those stakes were on him. And uh, me and a couple of the other guys chased him across the parking lot. And then he ran up into the, uh, the, 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 not quite the projects, but edging on the projects. The the land where thou shalt not go. (laughs) And uh, we stopped chasing him because I'm not getting ready to get killed by a bunch of crips over you know some ribeye steaks and uh we gave up chases our kids selves and you know walked back to the store went back to work like an hour or two later the police come in with an evidence bag this guy had taken a couple of these steaks not one steak we're talking like maybe three to five of these motherfuckers and had shoved them
2: up his asshole.
1: Oh gross. Yes. Yeah.
2: And then I
1: would not want those back. Yeah. I'd be like, you keep those thank you. Yeah, they
2: stopped him and they were searching him and they were like, What the hell is going on? you know and they found one of the stakes in the back of his pants, like on his butt cheek, like tucked into his
0: underwear. And um so they take him in. They, you know, they're doing all the rest of it. They're searching him, and sure as shit, this dude has steaks in his asshole. There
1: is no level of scrubbing that makes those steaks ever edible again. No,
0: no, ever. And the police brought them back to the evidence from the oh, evidence gosh. thing to go, "Hey, we got your steaks back. Yeah. so They had to return our property." And so the the butcher there, the, the story does not end with that steak winding up in anybody's stomach. It was immediately thrown away. But one of the steaks was in an evidence bag, was particularly disgusting. And the meat dude had a magnet, and he stuck it
2: to, like, the little fucking, you know,
0: um, almost everything in a butcher's area, is stainless steel, so I can't remember what thing it was. It wasn't a piece of machinery. It was, like, on the wall. And uh, he stuck that um, evidence steak
2: that's <laughs> well, disgusting. It's, like it's a little sick piece of entertainment. Like, That's I shot that piece of steak, it wound up in a man's asshole, and it came back to me.
1: That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> you win. That tops my story for sure. Yeah.
2: Well, like, same grocery store. I had to, uh... Oh, Jesus. We were
0: working in the, um... In one of the aisles, and everybody could smell something. We couldn't quite figure out what it was. And there was a pile of human shit on the floor, you know, in one of the other aisles. We went back and watched the cameras, and it was, like, a three-year-old girl. And she just, like, <laughs> straight pulled her pants down while her mom was, like, looking at laundry detergent and then just greased the floor. Okay, that's kind
1: of funny, though. <laughs> if it had been an adult, I would have been like, that's gross. That's I've, fucked I've, up. I've, but it's uh, kind of funny.
0: I've been thinking about it because I'm Jesus fucking christ that guys
1: would be the animals yeah. being animals
0: I've been, i've been thinking about it quite a bit because i'm working on the um the flash memoir type thing and that has to go in it not those particular stories but like that time because that building's so close to the pawn shop it works as like this poetic you know leading up to type thing but
1: it's kind of funny though nothing bad happened at work for me today, but, uh, there was a dad trying to take his little girl that was probably two or three to the bathroom today and he couldn't go to the main, uh, women's bathroom because, uh, there were women in it and that would just be weird if a dude walked in. So, uh, one of the girls that I work with, like, walked him back to a different area where he could take his daughter to the bathroom and, like, when she came back, uh, she was like, yeah, I figured, probably shouldn't wait. I was like, yeah, little kids aren't gonna hold it, so... (laughs) relevant to my day but she did not shit on our
2: floor
1: <laughs> she made it just fine
2: we split them up Jesus Christ
1: settle down buddy doing the show
2: <laughs> right back at it mom mom's my quarterman cut me he's
1: gonna, he's gonna nail you in the nose and then you're gonna he always regret does. all Jack's of your life never decisions never
0: wins the fight but yeah all that to say um I'm, I'm losing my job uh at the end at the end of January so I've got a little bit of time left um, to try to figure something else out but I was having a discussion with you last night uh, talking about how I if this was not my last boss the next one has to be and it was like this weird reaffirmation in my head I didn't move to Montana to get lost in another string of jobs where I'm cleaning shit off the floor either at the shelter or the grocery store
1: I know in the moment of I'm not I need to put Winston in all. You <laughs> just bottled
2: him. With a um, pen. Was a pen and
1: it
2: was closed.
1: I know, uh, in the moment of kind of crummy things happening, there's not...
0: Really oh no, lot... I cried like a little bitch. Oh, no, that's not what I was going to say. I know
1: there's not like a lot anyone can say or do to make it better. Like if the reverse happened, there probably wouldn't be anything you could say to me that would make me yeah. be a little, or not, you know, as upset about it, but, uh like that was kind of I guess my thought whenever you told me I was like man that super sucks they definitely kind of did you dirty but at the same time I'm like this isn't yeah this isn't what we came here for and there are just better things ahead
0: yeah I mean they didn't I, I can feel the way I want to feel about the being underqualified part um but they did me a great service by allowing me to get my feet on the ground up here. For sure. You know, that as soon as we landed, you know, we got here on a Saturday night. I was at work on Monday morning. I wasn't scrambling around looking for a job, so and I can't also, take that away from them. also me. the
1: fact that they're not just letting you go today. Yeah, or, they're giving
0: me plenty of time, yeah, so. so. And a letter of recommendation. So it's not, it's not a bad situation, but what it did do was reaffirm, yeah, no, that's not what I want to do with my life. And I... Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, given my um, past work experience in security, which is not a thing that I'm fucking interested in because I've got enough problems going to bed as it is. Oh. Um, and outside of that, it's it's mostly grocery store, pawn shop. Like, I, I haven't had a whole shitload of jobs. I have jobs for, you know, some some amount of time. So realistically, because the degree is in creative writing, (laughs) I either find a writing gig or I got to keep working these jobs where I'm going to make roughly the same amount of money I made in high school, you know. Um, But I have a creative writing degree, which means I don't need a boss. I'm a fairly creative human being.
1: You have... How many books done now? I got three in my satchel
0: that we're working with and one published, which you can buy on
1: the nightmare box.
0: All you gotta do is go down to the bottom right hand column. Go ahead, grab you a copy. Madman Diaries, ten dollars. I'll send it to you. Even if it costs me fourteen dollars to get it there.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but no, I I think that this is gonna force me in this weird rebirth moment that we're both in together, mm-hmm. uh, here in Montana to do nothing except fucking dive headfirst into what I've been telling myself was the only plan. In college, I was telling you constantly, there is no B plan. This is not. <laughs> this is non-negotiable. I've set my life up in such a way where I either figure it out creatively or I don't figure it out at all. And this is my first opportunity up here to just be like, "Fuck it, hit the gas."
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And then I cried and listened to Eminem and Aww. jazzed myself up and. <laughs> drained trying too much.
1: <laughs> I think I've kind of weirdly been in, even before you found out that they weren't going to keep you on, I think I've kind of weirdly been moving towards that phase, too, because I had, which, I have a very great job. I'm not complaining about my day job at all. Um, fantastic job. I'm yeah. treated very well, paid very well. Um,
0: Kicks the shit out of working in the hospital. Yeah, it's
1: <laughs> miles better than any of my past jobs, honestly, and very highly appreciated by the company. So that's just a nice change of pace anyway. It's a company that actually cares about its employees, but um, it is still a day job. And I had like a moment where I was sitting at work and I was just like, you know, as nice as this job is, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And um, we both got our quote unquote rejection letters from the <laughs> university the other day that we applied to months ago but it wasn't a, a rejection letter it was like so we've decided we're not gonna hire for yeah. either of the positions as, that we applied for as
2: I said they were like yeah I know we got these applicants but fuck them <laughs> Like you, Brett, and Kristen are worse than not having the position at all at this college. We don't need an editor anymore. It turns out we're, a, that, you know, we're just fucking. A, we're a rough draft university. Uh, so we could have Brett, or we could just ask, you know, like the semi, you know, autistic kid hanging out in the lobby, if he would mind scribbling on it with a red pen. We're probably gonna get
1: to the same goddamn place. Uh, <laughs> My assumption is the university didn't have the extra money to blow up uh, yeah <laughs> to hire the That's positions. probably
2: the more likely the situation. <laughs> they probably weren't actively shitting down our throats.
1: <laughs> but yeah, we we both got the letter saying we've decided not to hire a candidate at this time, but please uh, you know, keep an eye out for yeah. further positions. Um so like yeah, that's was... a
0: job that I wouldn't feel so much as a job, you know. Yeah. I don't want to be an academia person. For mm-hmm. the love of God, if I ever get to the point where I would never left college and like pursued it, and then just started teaching things that I knew nothing about, shoot me. <laughs> um, but like, I don't feel like if I went to work editing, I enjoy editing. I get mm-hmm. paid for editing freelance wise. Um, I do it. With random articles that I read, my morning cup of coffee, like <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: it's like News Channel Six, and then like I'm reading a little fucking article thing. And I'm like, uh, he misspelled can't,
2: so like misplaced <laughs> uh, <this laughs>
0: like, yeah. comma
1: changes whole story.
0: It's fun for me. It's a <laughs> game. I enjoy it. I've always enjoyed it. Um, so like that wouldn't feel as taxing.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I don't. I could
0: settle into that and work on the side, without like the existential angst of going, "Fuck, I'm making worse money than I made when I was 16."
1: And I don't. (laughs) I guess technically the job I applied for for the university would have been a bit more corporate work, like advertising for the university and stuff through uh, video. But um, I definitely don't want to work in the corporate world at all. That to me is just it's death. Yeah, if you're going to end up in the field, that's the worst dead-end place you could end up. No, because the
0: true bastard of it is, like, you see... And this is not, like, shooting down anybody that doesn't want to do, you know, the kind of stuff that we're doing, you know, or music or painting or whatever. Um, But you see people who are truly happy and complacent. They're like, this is what I do. I'm happy to do this, and I'll do this until the day I die. But it's not them. It's like they're working for somebody else. They don't have any creative voice inside of that work environment. You know, they're just machines, like Ted Kaczynski talked about in technological society. Well, I was going (laughs)
1: to amend that by saying I do feel like versus having just some random 9 to 5, it's probably still a little bit better because at the very least people who kind of get pigeonholed and academia or the corporate world or whatever at least are actively daily um utilizing their skills so those skills don't get rusty so if in your spare time on the weekend you want to go work on your own thing every day that you go to work you're having to practice those skills so at least
0: just constantly sharpening the knife yeah, yeah so
1: at least i guess in that world you're practicing constantly so there is that but uh yeah, I did have a weird moment after we got the quote-unquote rejection letters, and then I was just kind of sitting at work like, I don't, I don't want to do this job, you know? Where I was just kind of like, why are we trying to find? I mean, literally, we have to eat. We need money, but like, yeah. in a long we don't make a lot <laughs> <laughs> in a long-term <laughs> sense. Why are we like still applying for these jobs and still doing this stuff? Like, it is. Like the I bullshit
0: jobs or like the creative jobs?
1: Jobs working for other people in okay, general. Cool. I like, thought you
0: were telling me flat out, you know, I'm,
2: I'm done. Why are we still no, doing this? Don't. I need to apply myself to my nine to five and then slowly grow to resent no, myself job. and everybody around me and chew myself over no, a scotch both, whiskey of 56. Both six.
1: our day jobs and the university jobs yeah. and just jobs in general where we work for other people because we are more than ever in the past living in a world where you don't have to... Work for somebody else, depending on what your pursuit is. And, um, if anything,
0: this is the only option people will have twenty years from now. It'll just be a world full of podcasters because the <laughs> machines are going to be doing all the manual labor jobs. <laughs>
1: That's
0: why you got to vote for Andrew Yang. Get that fucking oh,
1: don't flood the market. <laughs> I'm trying. No, to, the market is flooded. I'm trying to make it. The, don't
0: the, flood it more. The best part is the market is flooded, and people are just now like getting into podcasts to where they'll listen to a few a day. You mm-hmm. know. It's still early yet, but it's flooded as fuck.
2: <laughs>
1: people keep trying to steal our name, too. I keep finding people trying to use mistakes were made, and it's like, dude.
0: Get the fuck out of here. I'll sue you. you I'll go to my legal advisor. You don't
1: post as often as I do. Get up out of here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, I'm on the war path. I think that's the, the goal for 2020 is I'm banging out. One of these books, one of these projects needs to be done. I it's if not done, damn near done. You know, uh, talking with an agent done, yeah. um,
1: like ready to get yeah a professional editor going
0: over the top of it. Something is gonna happen. Um,
1: I think my goal is uh, to be actively in the film festival circuit. Yeah, like I don't necessarily envision having some.
0: Well, the Roxy Feature holds, film. Yeah, the Roxy holds competitions and stuff, I think. And they, like, do short film comps. And...
1: Well, I'm not dismissing that by any means. I was thinking uh, a larger scale, like the Toronto Film Festival yeah. or, you know, like stuff like that where... A thousand. Yeah, people no, that matter are seeing yeah. it. So, I think that's my goal for the end of... Do uh...
0: you hear that, people of Missoula? <laughs> you don't matter. Oh, I didn't
1: mean, like that. <laughs> I didn't mean like, but I mean, on a... National and international level matter. Yeah. Um, No, straight
0: up, fuck these people, we're hitting them. Like, like, (laughs) this is over. We're done fucking playing this little 9-to-5 game. Let's go to Toronto. (laughs) Or like the... uh, I'll try to jump on my laptop. Fuck off.
1: Like Sundance or one of those, you know, like one of the bigger ones. Like Mm -hmm. have a, not a feature length, but a, a a reasonable short film in uh, the film festival like circuit half by the end hour. of the year I mean I don't necessarily have a limitation just something that uh, you know I can be proud of and that will actually be accepted to those level film festivals by the end of the year like even if it's not a winner at the film festival because they're very picky about what they'll even accept yeah. so just something that makes it in at all something nice. that gets
0: yes somebody saw this and thank you for sending it to yeah. us I need to do that as well. That might be one of my goals, not a film festival, um, but I follow a lot of writers' websites and stuff, and I always see the deadlines for the short story contest coming up, and I never take the bait. I don't know what it is. It's not like I don't have an extra fifteen dollars,
2: you know, that I could use
0: as a you know submission fee or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, getting the used to that sort of a process um
1: because even if it's not a but
2: if you win one then people will be like well what kind of writer are you and i'll be like i'm the one who won the so and so writing contest in 2020 <laughs>
1: well even if you don't um, the sun
2: and rose in your mother's butt cheeks <laughs> 2021
1: well even if you don't win <laughs> them, I, them I think uh essayist. being published and because a lot of those like come with publications right and then like, like film festivals, just being like shown at the film festivals, even if you don't win awards, like you're reaching a bigger audience who are of then course, gonna go yeah. back and be like, hey, what else have you done? So, I think both of us probably need to be in those circuits just because it reaches a wider range. No, of we're people. gonna
0: blow those goddamn circuits up. <laughs> it's gonna be a problem. People are gonna go, what the fuck? Where did they come from? And then all you guys at home, you're gonna be like, oh, that's just the nightmare box. Somebody <laughs> fucking opened the latch. Finally. It's about goddamn time.
1: <laughs> I did buy a new lens, so I'm excited about that. That's Kristen be... did get a
0: brand new lens. What kind of lens you get?
1: It is a Rokinon... Hang on one sec. I'll
0: give you the official. I just thought you were going to tell me it was a wide-angle. No, it's a, it's a <laughs> specific lens. It is a, a
1: wide-angle lens, but the company is Rokinon, um, which... Uh, I used a lot of Rokinons while I was in college. There are definitely more expensive, better lenses out there. Um, the Rokinons are definitely, if you're looking to get a little more serious, um, definitely a little pricier. Definitely better quality still for professional cinema lenses on the cheaper end. So um, if it's not a brand you're familiar with, it's definitely a brand worth checking out. I've read some mixed reviews about um the edges kind of being soft sometimes on them, I haven't really noticed enough of a problem with them that I would turn down, you know, yeah. a Rokinon over. Yeah, because you can
0: edit around something like that pretty easy.
1: And I, I've never noticed in any of the ones that I've had anyway, which, you know, you could, I guess, buy a defective lens and maybe look at trading that back in if it's really a big issue, but I've never noticed it being enough of a problem that i was like oh that shot looks bad at all yeah. like i don't think anybody else unless you knew it was happening would notice it so maybe that's mm. just a lens snob thing but anyway um it's a wide angle lens the company is broken on i got the 14 millimeter t3.1 sin lens so hmm. um yeah it's a actual cinema lens It's my first one that i've ever owned i'm pretty excited about that and so
0: you were showing it to me uh was it last night or the night before the night before when I yeah. came in? Mm-hmm. And you were like, This is the fifty millimeter and it was like a really close, really tiny, claustrophobic like shot. This
1: the fifty millimeter is smaller than the like center palm part of yeah. your hand. It's tiny.
0: Then we popped in your brand new lens and we got the entire room and some of the kitchen. It was like holy fuck and then you were able to zoom in on any one part of it and you could almost read the words on the fucking whiteboard.
1: Well let me amend that. Um the 14 millimeter only shoots at 14 millimeter. It's not a zoom lens. So I was, I was digitally zooming in uh, with my camera, which it would not shoot that way. So let me just amend that. It doesn't, (laughs) the lens itself does not zoom. The camera does. Yeah. I was digitally zooming so I could check my focus. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's a hell of a lens. I think actually, if I'm not mistaken, that picture we took from Ziggy where you're holding my, uh, shoulder rig and all that mm-hmm. i think that's the lens that's on the camera and that thing's like as big as your face oh almost. the one where i put
0: it over my <laughs> yeah. eyeball like I was it a your face patch. Yeah, i love that sure. picture
1: <laughs> i'm pretty sure that was a 14 <laughs> um, like i said i've used the lens i've worked with the lens i've just never owned an official cinema lens well so. what's
0: the best reason for buying the lens or like what's the
1: um well
0: best shots you get with those types of lenses
1: it's uh, again, it's a cinema lens. So any lenses that are considered like cinema grade or whatever, yeah. they're just better quality for shooting no, video and stuff like that in general than the cheaper knockoff brands. Yeah. So it costs a little bit more. You I've get got better a fountain quality. I pen
0: over there. I don't even bother buying ink for it because <laughs> it, it costs me too much money I keep <laughs> buying these disposables.
1: <laughs> but yeah, you spend more money, you get the better quality. You're gonna get better quality. So. Um, The images are just sharper. And I will say, if you're at a point in your career where you're just kind of starting out and you're trying to figure out where you're going to spend the money, if you only have a set amount of money to spend, get the cheaper camera body and the more expensive lenses because Hmm. the better lenses can compensate for what the camera body can't do.
0: I would almost think it would be the opposite. It's not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The uh, more expensive lens will compensate for uh, the camera like actual quality of the camera so yeah if you're gonna upgrade one of the up one of the other upgrade your lenses before your camera body um but yeah it's it's sharper better quality um the Rokinon lenses are uh, which I know a lot of people aren't going to know what this means but it's a declicked aperture so Mm -hmm. um the aperture affects the opening of the lens and um when you adjust it it opens and closes the actual iris mm. of the lens and it lets in more or less light and it also affects your depth of field. So if the uh, lens is declicked while the camera's rolling and filming, I can just roll the um, little spiral that affects the aperture and adjust it as we're filming so you can live. you like
0: almost adjust shade as you go.
1: And um, the depth of field of a scene is, um, Whenever,
0: Like focusing from the back wall to the person sitting in front of that well, wall and back again?
1: That would actually be your um, focus, so it's got both uh, both of those rings are adjustable. So um, whenever we did the shot in Ziggy, where she was facing the caution banner or whatever, and I switched Is there a better the... shot
0: for the, all the people that have not seen Ziggy? <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, there are definitely people... Out there who have done it I don't know if any of our films that are live have done it but whenever you see a a scene where the focus is kind of on the forefront and then it just like subtly shifts to the background and you almost don't even notice it it's someone adjusting like the focal point but um, yeah the aperture affects how much light and how Mm -hmm. shallow or wide the depth of field is and stuff so you can kind of play with that as the cameras rolling, and it's just easier than trying to do it digitally, too, to have the ring right there that you can adjust, so it's fun. I'm excited about it. It's my first cinema lens.
0: Well, I'm proud of you. You were super excited when you saw it. I was like, okay, what do you want for dinner? And then you were like... You know, screwing the new lens on and looking around the room. It was cute. It was
1: I have just enough room left in my uh pelican kit yeah. that I can fit that one in and then I I have to buy a new pelican.
0: <laughs> well I have Which, to get uh, you all sorted up and fill that bastard up too.
1: If you're gonna buy a case to carry your camera gear in, they are a little bit pricier, but I hardcore recommend the pelican hard cases yeah. for your actual camera gear and then we went to Harbor Freight. Harbor Freight and got... It started with an A. I can't remember. It was like a knockoff brand that had hard cases, and that's what I have uh, my audio gear in. Mm-hmm. Pretty solid. Uh, definitely think the Pelicans are a little bit better quality, but if you're looking for a discount version, pretty nice. I think yeah. they're actually gun cases, technically, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. But, um, the
0: ones that you got, but I can't remember who the manufacturer was. And then they've got the custom squares that you can pull out of the...
1: Yeah, it's called a pick and pluck. The foam on the yeah. inside, you can adjust them. Um, so, it makes it super easy. Instead of literally having to carve it out with a knife or whatever, you literally just pluck out the individual squares. So, very easy to customize. They're pretty much damage proof. They're weatherproof, waterproof. You drop that thing off of a, you know, reasonable distance, your gear is not going to get damaged. So... Protect Jax your gear. now
0: fighting his food.
1: <laughs>
0: Jax, what the fuck are you doing, my guy?
1: Destroying this podcast.
0: <sighs> no, I'm happy for you, and you're going to use that in the homework assignment that I we're know. working on. How are you going to use it?
1: Well, I don't want to give away are what you, we're shooting.
0: Are you using it for the lead or follow shot? Or whatever we decide. It is look. entirely
1: possible, because that is actually the cool thing about wide lenses. Um, they just naturally... Did you catch that?
0: It was a leading question.
1: <laughs> they. Um... Thank you, Alex. <laughs> they don't have um, as shallow a depth of field, just by nature of the way that they're made, as like my 50 millimeter, for instance, so... Uh, when you're using a wide lens a lot more stuff in general is just Mm -hmm. gonna be a little bit sharper and a little bit more in focus so if you are moving around trying to follow someone and you don't have like a first AC or someone that can do your focus for you as you're moving it's a little easier with a wide lens to manage that yourself as you're Mm -hmm. moving so um, yeah I may use it for a follow shot actually
2: fuck yeah (laughs) <laughs> you alright?
1: Yeah. Why? I don't know. I'm sitting slumped. The, the week has crushed it's my spirit. Just
2: slowly crumbling me shoulders.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just a slouch. I don't sit upright. <laughs> I need to have one of those back posture things so I
0: don't
1: yeah. sit like a slouch. <laughs> I don't have a chair with back support either, to be fair. I'm sitting in my little, my little makeup vanity chair.
0: But um, let me see, what else do I have on my notes here? Float us on through all, you know, smooth lag. i got less than 20 pages left of notes on my manuscript before I can officially begin the rewrite of the thing that started all of this fucking nonsense, The Nightmare Box. Are you excited? I am pumped. How long I'm, do you
1: think it's going to take you to type it all back up?
0: Uh, days. Because
1: this is one of the ones that got lost. And by
0: days, I meant weeks. <laughs> this is one of the ones that
1: got lost to laptop death, right? Yeah,
0: this is uh, for long-time listeners, you guys might remember. Um, I was a lot dumber before I met Kristen, <laughs> and I had an HP laptop at the time. Upgraded! Um, And Brent's
1: too macho for umbrellas.
0: And I'm too macho for umbrellas. (laughs) And I was under the influence, and I was under the influence that (laughs) my backpack was waterproof. And um, that was not a fact. So I was walking across campus in a torrential fucking downpour, and then walked into the library to work on a paper, opened up the laptop, and zzzzt, everything's gone. Everything. Too rough drafts to separate manuscripts. I wrote the nightmare box. I wrote this other one that's under the working title victimization. Um, Gone in an instant. The only thing that was remaining were the individual Printed out copies.
1: Thank God you had them printed. Like, thank God you're the type of person who prints your stuff to edit. Immediately. I edit on the computer.
0: You you remember when I was panicking uh, when we were trying to set up the printer so that I could print out the screenplay? It's because I have a feeling that now that that's done, this thing is going (laughs) to die. And that'll be my only copy. So. I um, I mean, you got to
1: know how to handle the situation immediately, but I have twice now spilled liquid on my Mac and it's still going. So I think you're all right. No, I've spilled
0: spilled nothing. I treat this like the precious treasure that it is. And (laughs) I don't don't even want to touch it half the time. But um, it's going to take me a while to get it all typed back in. Um, I'm going to do it through Scrivener so I can break it up chapter by chapter and then add note sections so that I can work on things.
1: That'll be interesting. Did you do it in Word originally? Yeah, it
0: was originally done on an HP laptop in Word where you would type 15 words and then Word would remember that you had typed those 15 words. So it was janky as fuck. (laughs) You'd be like, and then like the cursor would be three or four words behind you. Mm -hmm. I type very fast. I've been at this for a while.
1: I thought it'd be kind of interesting to see how it changes though, since you'll be using a
0: I can look at it a lot Format closer like and a book, scrivener. Yeah. yeah, and I can change the formatting. I can make it look like a audio or not an audio book, but a fucking ebook on my computer. That's so, cool. Yeah, I can I can dress it up, dress it down, do whatever I have to do. I can set up post notes and stuff like that to kind of keep track of things. Um, but, and you
1: can do little. Like the post notes or notes, like if you want to like change something or edit
0: something. Around. They're like they're like better the... than the word comments, you know, because like when you do word comments, they're all crammed up in the side. Yeah. You can set like literal, like kind of like the corkboard thing. It looks like that on the program. Huh. You type up individual index cards and then, like this one's tied to chapter one, scene one. And then you go in there and this is what I need to happen here. That's so you cool. can expound. Um, so it's going to take me a minute to get the second manuscript done. Um, and that's the one that I want to be able to call rough draft part one. Then I edit that and probably rewrite that and edit that and probably rewrite that. And eventually you guys will get to read this fucking thing and I'll be very excited. One are about... on dra-
1: rough draft. Fuck, fuck, fuck,
0: fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I've had several rough draft. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Fuck.
2: <laughs>
0: but yeah, I've got three projects. Um, and I'm gonna get the Nightmare Box um, typed back in before I go back to the Nano And victimization needs so much work that that is gonna come third. So it's the second book, uh, but it's gonna get interrupted by the most recent screenplay simply because I need to finish the Nightmare Box. And I have a lot of faith in the screenplay and that. <laughs>
1: when are you gonna start? Like I know you haven't finished editing it yet, so that's I guess not really an answer you can give, like as a hard answer. But when are you gonna start typing it back up? Do you think
0: typing up the nightmare box? Mm-hmm. Oh, immediately once I get through the next twenty pages, that turns into my mission is typing the manuscript back in on the laptop. There might be something where I can like speak and spell my way through it, but I don't quite know how that would work. <laughs>
1: I don't have, uh, I guess, a appropriately neutral voice to get away with that. Siri never types what I tell her to yeah, type. <laughs> so I'm
0: probably going to have to go through here and type up, you know, like the 200 pages or however long the manuscript is, and then... Once I get it all typed up and I got my notes while I'm typing it up and I veered off to different things and typed up other shit that needs to be added to different parts.
1: And backed those up on a hard drive. backed all of
0: those up on a hard drive and blew up the hard drive on an accident because, you know, that's just what happens. No, I
1: plugged in my big hard drive.
0: (laughs) Once I have that done, then I can go back to the screenplay and work on the movie. (laughs) It's nonstop work. I know it doesn't look very productive from the outside, but Kristen can attest I work my goddamn dick off.
2: You (laughs) You work very hard, and I'm very proud of you. I know you are, and I just needed it for self validation.
1: (laughs) And see, I'm doubly careful with my things, so we're good. We're not going to lose this one. Yeah. Well, that was two separate hard drives, one of which is like a stationary one that doesn't go anywhere, and it's plugged into. Like a strip that'll kick off if there's any kind of sort shortage or anything like that, so we're not losing anything. I don't plug my electronics into the wall, and neither should you
0: <laughs> but my question for you um that I was thinking of earlier is it's important to rest a rough draft um you don't want to dive right back into it right after you finish it because mm-hmm. the beginning's not gonna line up with the end. it's gonna piss you off. Also, you haven't developed or thought about it any more than you did on the day that you stopped. So I would say like three months would be like the ideal rest for like a full length manuscript. Unless like you're trying to hit a deadline Then mm-hmm. I can kind of see how you wouldn't have that amount of time to just let it sit. I like to work on other things in the meantime, hence the entire plan that was just laid out. Um But filming's a bit different because you're almost always on a deadline. So how much rest time do you get in film, or is it just a continual process?
1: Well, I think the difference with film is, you know, when you're writing something, you're also typically the editor. Yeah. And um, I think for most films, like, yeah, if you're doing your own, you know, low-budget, no-budget film or whatever, you're probably... To a large extent, editing as well. But um, for most films, the director kind of sits in during the editing. They're actually not the editor. So um, I think it's a little easier to make that a continual process because the director kind of sees the film from start to finish, but they're not always the head of everything that's going on, even though they're technically the head.
0: And it can't rest Um, for too long, I guess, because if you waited three months, the seasons have changed. You can't go back and make another shot. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that is true. Um, Because, yeah, sometimes whenever you're trying to edit, you find stuff that you need to go back and fill in. So there's not a lot of room to rest there, and I've never really had the luxury of letting any of my stuff rest because I, you know, low budget, no budget. I've edited Mm -hmm. all of my own stuff, and um, pretty much everything I've ever done was for school, so you had a really tight deadline. So I didn't have time to take a break from it at all. But, um when we did the dolls, mm-hmm. I did not have enough time to finish it the way I wanted it to be finished for the deadline for school, so what I turned in was a really rough, not good draft. And then um, kind of just focused on getting through the semester with like the intention of going back over the summer and reworking it and... I don't think I took too much time off because I know we had a deadline that we wanted to get the trailer out by and I did the trailer first and then went back and finished the movie and uh, I think I only had like a week or two, uh, maybe a month at most off, but even that kind of helped because like when I went back to edit some of the scenes that I had been having a bit of a hard time like trying to find the pacing for, like I think the problem with editing when you spend a lot of time in a row trying to work one specific section or one specific scene or whatever you start to kind of lose track of the film as a whole like Mm -hmm. you only see the pacing of that individual scene so like um for whatever reason I have kind of a harder time with conversation pieces so where the two girls were just talking to each other I couldn't figure out the timing for it and um yeah even just having like a week or two off to let it breathe and like Going back to rewatch it, I could see the movie as a whole movie instead of this one scene that was bothering yeah. me. So it kind of helped get the pacing a little closer to what I wanted on that scene. I'm still, I'm still not great at conversation scenes for whatever reason. I, I have a hard time nailing. Well, we might
0: need to have a homework assignment.
1: <laughs> yeah, conversations aren't a thing that. Um, I have a
0: script that involves a conversation between you and I. We could do it right here in the apartment.
1: <laughs> we could. Um, yeah, conversation scenes for me, at least, are a little harder to nail because you don't have like an action going on that you can kind of help time the pacing for. So sometimes, if you are having a hard time with something like that, giving yourself even just a couple of days to let it breathe and kind of going back and rewatching the whole thing as a whole kind of helps suit that. So I think I think the timing is a bit different um, for filmmakers because mm-hmm. you do typically have very tight deadlines, but. The benefit is you're not usually the one having to shoulder all of it, but if you are and you're having a hard time, maybe let it breathe for a week or two and then go mm-hmm. back and watch everything you've edited from start to finish and kind of see it as a whole instead of the individual things you're working on. I think it helps.
0: Fuck yeah. <laughs> let that bitch rest. <laughs> um. had the time of my <laughs> Uh, Kristen's been reading, and I've been reading, and I want to get into Kristen's reading before we get into Brett's reading.
1: Sure. So, um, I've talked Shut. about... <laughs> right, calm
0: down there, News Channel 6.
1: <laughs> and on tonight's episode... No, um, so I've, I've brought this book up a couple of times, um, it's just the one I'm currently reading. I'm not swearing by this book or anything, I'm still very early into it, but it's the one that, uh, Brett bought for me when we went to the book exchange mm-hmm. here. Um, it's called Digital Filmmaking 101, An Essential Guide to Producing Low-Budget Movies by Dell Newton and John, I still think that's maybe Gaspard. I have no <laughs> idea how you pronounce that. I haven't made an effort to look that up. Um, but I got to a section in it today where they were talking about, there's a popular phrase, uh, write what you know.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, they were talking about. Uh, when you're writing a script for a low-budget movie in particular, that you should write what you own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the concept behind that is um, if you're writing a script, write for scenes that you know you can realistically shoot. Did we lose it?
0: I don't know how, but yeah.
1: The no no, man down. Is there anybody else?
0: me log into my fucking computer, you sour-faced little
1: cunt. Definitely editing this out.
0: All right, there we go. And we're back. What were you
1: saying? <laughs> um, The concept bet- or that they were talking about, right? What you own is for specifically if you're shooting a short film where you don't have any money. They were saying like when you write your scenes, you know, write for places you know you can realistically film in, write for props you realistically own, you know, stuff that you don't have to go out, buy, rent, whatever. And, um, one of the concepts that they were talking about kind of in that section was how uh, to help minimize your budget, you should shoot as much as you can. Not necessarily all in one location, but like kind of group your things together in big chunks in the locations you work in. So you're not trying to move in the middle of the day because you Mm. waste a lot of time and money if you have to move locations midday. It takes a lot of time to break everything down and set everything back up. And then they were saying, you know, if you had a space that was kind of a neutral space, how you can dress it up and make it look like it's more than one place. Mm. So um, we kind of did that to an extent when we did the dolls. We had... The, like, honestly great fortune of having a really great yeah. house location. Forever
0: shout-outs to Alicia and Kayla. Yeah. That was brilliant. Um
1: The garage was this, this massive workshop that was in the backyard mm-hmm. that we had access to the whole thing. Um The house was a pretty large house with multiple rooms that we could kind of move through, so it was a fantastic location to shoot in because... Half of the house we never even saw for part of the movie, so we turned it into a secondary house. So when you think you're in one character's house and then the other character's house later, we're actually in the same house for Mm -hmm. the whole movie. And um, it saves a lot of time and a lot of effort. And if you can kind of be choosy about your camera angles or the way you're dressing your sets or whatever, you can kind of make a space look Yeah. Like it's a different space when it's really not. And we did that uh, with a therapist's office too, which I don't know that it necessarily looks specifically like a therapist's office.
0: It's pretty damn close. But
1: yeah, it it looks realistically like these two people are having a meeting in an office of some sort. And um, that was actually my professor's office, which is a (laughs) tiny tiny space i don't yeah. you weren't there that day right no i, yeah. I missed that so you night, never saw so i it. think i was taking a so, test or
0: writing a paper or something
1: i'm trying to think of a example
0: help about how many feet because so, they don't know what our apartment looks no
1: like. i wasn't i
0: wasn't <laughs> gonna give i was hoping you were gonna go from no. the refrigerator to no, the wall I it's I like I give give a, it. that
1: specific. Space. <laughs> so if you had a Pretty decent-sized walk-in closet. Maybe Mm -hmm. two of those put together. Like, maybe one and a half to two of those put together. This was a small office. Like, a very small office.
0: And it was lined with bookshelves.
1: Yeah, the whole thing. Like, floor to ceiling. Bookshelves and then the computer desk with the computer. And um, we had to, like, kind of cram everything in there and shoot all of the doctor sides and then cram everything the other direction and shoot all of uh, the main character sides... And all of the books on the shelves were film books because this is my film <laughs> professor. So I had to go back in on my own in post because we didn't have a lens with a shallow enough depth to field the day of to completely blur out the books. But it We had quite a few of them blurred out, but I had to, on my own in post, go back in and blur out the books oh, so you damn. couldn't see what the books were. <laughs> So all you see is just a whole lot of books
2: behind her. And like
1: maybe some of the ones that have like the really big titles on them, you can sort of read what they are, but they're blurry. But yeah, I had to like in post because my professor was like, you you did a
0: good job of focusing the actress in that scene so that you're not looking at the books like unless you're pausing it and going through. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, which depth depth of field helps with that because she's pretty much the only thing in that scene that's in focus. Mm -hmm. So um, your eye kind of naturally wants to Look at the thing that's sharper, but yeah, you can you can cheat stuff like that if you have uh, books that you wanna, you know. If you have a bookshelf with books and a chair and a desk that you kind of want to stack in your own apartment and make look like a doctor's office, depending on how you shoot it, you can totally pull it off and just... We uh, could do
0: it here if we moved, the, you know, like stack those two bookcases on top of each other, set them up, pushed all this out of the way and put the desk right here. mm -hmm. You know, you could turn this half of the apartment into just about anything. Yeah. Just have to gut the surrounding area.
1: And if you don't have, like in our instance, if you don't have like, psychology books or whatever that doesn't necessarily prohibit you from that. Just change your depth of field or if you have to go in and digitally blur everything. Mm -hmm. I did it kind of a similar concept to how you would do green screen. Um, I put markers on because she didn't really move around much. She kind of sat stationary um, talking to the doctor. So I put markers around the whole scene that left her um, in the clear and blurred everything out so it digitally just went through and blurred everything for me and it's kind of a similar concept to if you were green screening you know mm-hmm. I could have hypothetically changed the background to something else but instead I was just like hey blur this for me <laughs> so uh you can you can cheat things make them look different from how they are and especially with our homework assignment since the object is to shoot in one location you can technically if you want cheat your location and make it look like you left.
0: Well, and we saw that as well on a much larger scale with, do you remember the name of the show we've been watching? It's on Netflix. It's huge. But the one about
1: Uh, the movies that make us.
0: Yeah. We were watching watching that the other night, watched all of them the other night, binged it for the first time in our relationship. We'd never binged it a complete series, but (laughs) four episodes and I couldn't let it go. Um, and they shot... They couldn't get the inside of Home Alone, the house in Home yeah, the Alone. Yeah,
1: that giant mansion.
0: But they could secure a high school as, like, their base ground or whatever, you know. And so they built the interiors for the house and the swimming pool of the... Which <laughs> is madness. Yeah,
2: they
0: they they built the entire thing. So, you know, I'm not saying everybody can do that. I couldn't do that. You couldn't do oh, that. I can't afford that. No. But... <laughs> It's innovation, you know, it's looking at what you have available and working within that space.
1: Speaking of that, uh, in the same book that I'm reading, which I did not know that, they were talking about um, when Kevin Smith was filming Clerks. Apparently, um, the grocery store that the whole film is set in, they had... Um, permission to shoot in the grocery store but they specifically had to shoot in it at night only and Mm -hmm. supposedly according to this book, I have not fact checked that um, he couldn't afford enough lights to light the outside of the building to make it look like it was daylight outside So, um, what they did was, which I haven't seen Clerks, to be fair, so I have never I, seen
2: Clerks? I haven't
1: seen Clerks. Um, so, I don't know what the story's about at all.
2: How are you, but, a filmmaker? But,
1: no, let me finish. But, apparently, there's a scene in Clerks where there's gum jammed in the thing, so mm-hmm. all the windows are, like, locked shut. Yeah. And that's how he fixed the problem, because they were shooting at night, and he couldn't afford to light it like it was daylight. Mm-hmm. So, that's... That was his workaround to, I can't light this how I need to. (laughs) So we're going to pretend like the windows are all locked shut. Yeah. So if you have a problem and you can't fix it, be innovative.
0: I mean, you you got to do it in a very subtle way with a good explanation. But no, we could definitely, no matter what we wanted to do, if we wanted to pretend that it was bright outside right now, we could do something similar. We turn it into an apocalypse thing, put boards on the windows. You don't fucking know what it's like outside. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: so it's I, a magic
0: trick adapt and overcome deceive
1: <laughs> which that's the whole point of the book that I'm currently reading is um, if you don't have the money you're forced to be more creative mm-hmm. so learn how to think on your feet and be more creative so I just thought that was a A fun fact, like I've never seen Clerks, but I was like, oh, that's clever.
0: We have to watch it, because all I can think of right now is this one particular scene. I'm going to misquote it, so I'm not even going to say it, but it has something to do with pussies.
1: (laughs) Of course, that's (laughs) what you go to. (laughs) It's hilarious. But But you
0: were
1: were talking about reading?
0: Yeah, I finished uh, Armageddon in Retrospect, which was a collection of essays that were published posthumously. Um, that were all Kurt Vonnegut they were published by Mark Vonnegut and they were incredible. I loved them they were all about like his thoughts on war and they were brilliant. I burned through them in maybe a week um and I'm starting up right now um the education of a coroner by John Bateson um I've made it a point since we've gotten out here mainly because I'm antisocial um and I like to eat my lunch in my jeep. <laughs> to read for, like, a minimum of half an hour a day. If I miss it at work, I fill it in when I get home. Um, I think it challenges you in different kinds of ways.
1: I think it definitely... For, I, I mean, you and I are reading completely different types of books, yeah. to be fair, but I think it definitely forces you to kind of broaden your perspective of things
0: yeah like I I know quite a bit about like storytelling and stuff But outside of Slaughterhouse-Five I'd never read any Vonnegut and I was inspired by almost every single one of the short stories like in that book I was blown away by his ability to take this larger metaphor have twenty-five pages to tell the story and and then grind it down to one sentence that encapsulates the entire situation. I I was I haven't felt that way about an author in a long time to the point where I need to go back and reread some Kurt Vonnegut because <laughs> I was moved. Um, but what it got me th- thinking about on that is how do you feel about a book list?
1: Like a a book list of books to read?
0: Like on the website. Oh. Like we try to keep up with the books that you and I are reading that we feel are important. Not the bullshit ones that I, you know, not little dime novels that I pick up, you know, but the, the I think big it's... ones. And like maybe writing many essays, like 1,500 words or less, about why you should read the book.
1: I think it's helpful because honestly I will say... For almost every book that I have ever uh, bought, and I have quite a few in my like Amazon, like I have a list of like books I want to buy in the future. Um, but for literally every book that I've ever bought, I've gone and read the reviews on them mm-hmm. just to kind of see what other people thought about them and um, whether or not they're relevant to kind of you know like helping me learn things I want to learn yeah. or you know if it's a waste of money or whatever. So. I put a lot of value in um, whether or not other people think the books are valuable pieces of knowledge. So Mm -hmm. I would think that our listeners would appreciate that.
0: Well, I just wanted to hit you with that CEO decision live on the air. I was thinking, you know, like, I need to document these so that, you know, if people want to go back and, like, follow, you're not going to be interested in all of them. I've read some pretty boring things that I find, mm-hmm. you're not going to want to read the Unabomber Manifesto. Every 15-year-old <laughs> it thinks seems that pretty dry. It's very, very dry. I read a lot of dry shit. The Education of a Coroner, not very well written. I'll tell you that as a person oh, no. who's only read the first 30 pages. The stories are interesting. Um... But it's very rushed. So, like, it wouldn't be everything that I, you know, put inside Mm. of my brain. (laughs) And I'm not going to pick ones that are hyper-biased. But, like, the Kurt Vonnegut book, I would add that to a list of, hey, are you roughly our age looking for something to read? Here are some very interesting takes. Why don't you think about making one of these a short film?
1: (laughs) And the book I'm currently reading, I actually, while we were at the book exchange... thumbed through it and just read some just random because if I have a book in front of me that's what I usually do I'll thumb through it and read a random passage in it just to see like how I feel about the actual writing itself and then um if I don't have it in front of me I'll thumb through the reviews on Amazon and that's I looked it up on Amazon while we were still at the book exchange and uh this book definitely isn't one I would put at the top of my list it's a so far interesting read I'm early into it but it is as the uh, Hmm. Amazon reviews stated i emily uh introduction and all that aside 18 pages in and uh it is a book that's dated for sure yeah. <laughs> uh some of the stuff they talk about i'm like that's we don't film that way anymore <laughs> i don't need to buy because they talk about saving money so you can buy uh tape or whatever yeah. and i'm like oh i have memory cards <laughs> <laughs> i don't have that problem but uh like i do think it would be helpful for people like be like oh like this is what I thought about yeah. it you know this is how I felt so like I've got
0: five or ten specifically on the craft you know that I could probably list off right off the top of my head like if you're looking to get into it here's a handful of books you could start Stephen off King on number one Stephen King you know you got the uh, the War of Art mm-hmm. um, a handful of those fucking flash books I I fell in love with those things but now I. I'm gonna consider throwing <laughs> one together, and um,
1: yeah. I would probably put if I had to name a number one book. If you're looking for a number one book, I would probably put. Um, I think it's called the fil- Yeah, the Filmmaker's Eye has so far been my favorite film book I've read, but the three part Master's Shot series that I own is also a really cool yeah. uh, collection. So, those are probably, if you're looking for a recommendation today, my my
0: top two. <laughs> Mine's forever going to be, go buy that goddamn Stephen King book. I know you don't want to. I know you think that he's full of shit. <laughs> promise you you're going to love it. It's a memoir. It's a toolkit. Or
1: also that book, The Madman Diaries. Or The Madman Diaries, <laughs> which you can
0: find in the bottom right-hand corner of...
1: The Nightmare Box. blog.
0: And if you go to the top right-hand corner, you can see The Dolls, which I wrote, Kristen directed. Um, that... Short story, and, uh, by the way, is inside of the book. Or you go over to youtube.com slash Kristen Pennington, and you can find the dolls amongst all the other things Kristen has worked on.
1: Real quick, before we move on to the other plugs, um, it's in the credits, so I don't feel horrible about not shouting this out every time, but um, Destiny was our DP on the dolls, and she did Definitely. a fantastic job. That movie would not have ended up being what it was without her. So uh, God I don't bless think you. I've ever... Specifically called her out on the podcast, but Destiny, I really appreciate all your work on
0: that. And if Destiny wants to tweet us a thing, we can go on over there. Uh,
1: that's at Nightmare
2: Box Pro. I was only on over there to the Instagram. I wasn't expecting a shout out. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. <coughs>
1: it just occurred to me. I was like, I don't... I mean, like, she's in the... Credits and all that, but I don't think I've ever, specifically, between her and uh, our composer Andrew, it yeah. completely changed that film.
2: No, so. they, are, they
0: are fantastic, and I'd be more than willing to work with them again. Did we get them all?
1: No, we didn't do Instagram or the what, email.
2: What's the Instagram? <laughs>
1: Instagram is at Nightmare Box Productions. If you
2: guys want to email us, I guess you could do that over it. <laughs>
1: Uh, Box Productions at gmail. I also started a, I think it's pronounced Vimeo, so you can find us on vimeo.com slash nightmareboxproductions.
0: God damn right, son. Ready to go make some barbecue chicken?
1: I'm ready to take a shower while you make me some barbecue chicken. (laughs) You make better chicken. You make better all the meals. I
0: mean, I'm I'm pretty good. (laughs) Pretty much all around satisfactory. All right. I love you, sweetheart. I love you. And I love you guys. And we will talk to you on
2: Friday. mm mm-hmm. mm 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 mm